Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Hi, it's Josh. Hi, and it's Joe. And you're about to listen to another great episode of the movies that made me. Uh, just want to give you a heads up. Many of the movies, occasionally we'll talk about something that's pretty obscure and has never come out on video. Most of the movies we talk about on the show are available at MoviesUnlimited.com, which is the movie collector's website. Yeah, don't waste your time streaming or looking for your favorites on TV. You can own them. Physical media, babies. Yes, go to the TrailersFromHell.com website. Click the Movies Unlimited banner on the website and you can buy your favorites from them or go right to MoviesUnlimited.com. Shipping is always free on orders over $50. Movies, movies, movies. Hey, it's Josh. And in about a minute, we're going to hop into our conversation with David Arquette. But beforehand, just a little bit of business I want to take care of. Uh, we're lousy at this part. We need to do it more often. But we uh, we love and appreciate every single one of our listeners. Uh, thank you so much for coming on this journey with us. It is a blast. It continues to be a blast. It will continue to be a blast. Um, what we would like from you is please subscribe to the podcast uh, wherever you get it, if that's an option. And please leave comments. All these things help build our audience uh, which helps to keep us going, which helps us to get great guests, and which helps to uh, continue providing you with great shows. So that's it. That's all. Very little ask. Um, let's get to the show. This is The Movies That Made Me with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. So, um, yeah, David, thank you for, thank you for joining us for we're recording. Hey, thanks now. for having me. So, um, what I, well, first I'll do, do a kind of general run through. Our guest is, is, uh, David Arquette, who's a great actor and wrestler. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know, do I need to write, you know, like scream and never been kissed and 3000 miles of Graceland and two Muppet movies. Somehow I had I <laughs> conflated them. I mean, uh, uh, bone tomahawk, um, uh, you're on the dice clay TV show a couple of times. I, and, uh, uh, and and uh, you've got a new film, Spree, which um, is it actually? It, it's it's uh, it's on demand and on digital now. Um, when you hear this, uh, is it playing in? Is anything playing in a theater anywhere? Is it a drive-in There's somewhere? Drive-ins, drive-ins, yeah, yeah, yeah. drive-ins back. That's exciting. That was a positive. The only positive thing so far. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Wait, Joe, wasn't Gremlins the number one movie in the country a couple of weeks ago? Somehow, For a while it was, yes. <laughs> oh my that's, God. That's how low we've sunk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I love Gremlins. But uh, David, you, you um, uh, not to descend to Sammy Maudlin turf, before we get into it, I just, uh, um, you did a solid once and I never got to thank you. A lot of us never got to thank you, but uh, you came several years ago. I can't remember, was it with Mick Garris? You came to a Masters of Horror dinner. Oh yeah. And you were a delight and you were so genuinely, you seemed so genuinely happy to kind of meet everybody and, uh, and they, you, and the evening wore on and these are loud, large gatherings and, um, the bill came and we noticed that you had scampered off. And, uh, then we found out two minutes later that you had scampered off, but you had bought dinner for everybody. <laughs> yeah and uh, i tend to pick up the check i like to pick up the check. <laughs> that was yes that had to be a hefty check so uh speaking uh, on behalf of um of all the masters of horror of which i am not one uh, uh thank well, you. as 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 befits the sky and of one of the major uh hollywood uh, acting families you know there's the barrymores and then there's the red graves and the carradines and then there's the arquettes uh, <laughs> thank you but no Carradine has ever bought me dinner, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Keith Carradine once told me this thing, and I've remembered it on every set. He, and I, I want to meet, meet him again and, and ask him, but uh, 
he told me about this acting style, which all of your choices are made for the personal comfort of the actor playing the character. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're in a scene and it's cold outside and there's a fire, your character wants to be by the fire. Or if you're in a scene (laughs) and there's a bed in the bedroom, you're lying on the bed. (laughs) So all of your choices become choices of comfort, which always like stuck with me and, uh, I have to admit, upon occasion, I will make sure that certain things are sort of comfortable in a sense. If I'm dying in some way, I'm making sure my legs aren't in a w- weird way that'll cramp up after a couple of hours or something. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense because you'll, you'll uh, you know, it may be a minute on screen, but it could be your entire day, right? Yeah, absolutely. Who's um, a friend of mine told me, Saul Rubinek, um, told him a great story about... Uh, uh, the, the the final shootout in Unforgiven, um, where they're just sort of they're just getting there on the first day of it, and Clint just sort of asks everyone's like you know get get into a spot and see how it goes and we'll move you around if we need you to, and and it's like a two or three day shoot for that scene. So Saul Rubinek goes to the end of the bar and he sits down for precisely that reason, so that he's for the next three days sitting down while all the rest <laughs> of these cowboys had to stand there with their prop guns and things. Yeah, that's smart. Seems, seems like, yeah, Clint sounds like an amazing director. I hear he only does a couple takes, if that. No, he's he's so fast, and he makes decisions immediately, which is, you know, I think one of the major prerogatives of good directing is like decide for Christ's sake. Uh, and then he, and then in post production, I mean, he he, he post produces his movies so fast. Wow. He goes to a mix, and it's like, okay, that's fine, and he knows exactly what he wants. And there's no dithering and there's no, oh, gee, I, I don't know. I, he's, he's to, and, and that's apparently been since he started. And I guess he learned some of that from Don Siegel and some of the other guys that he used to work with. Wow. Yeah, and he, um, uh, I know he tends to at least the last decade or so, he works nine to five. <laughs> yeah, that's the best. <laughs> which is, which I, directed, I directed an episode of uh, CSI Miami and they were like eight hour days. That's it. That's all there we did. There you go. There you go. That was pretty it's, remarkable. It's actually civilized. Yeah, single camera. Uh, I mean, multi. I mean, single camera, uh, hour long. That's really unheard of. Well, the only downside to Clint uh, that process. I know I won't name names. I was talking to Republican. No. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, there's that. No, yeah. <laughs> I'm a huge fan, Clint. Just out of your politics. Yeah. Oh, well, then there's that. Um, no, of his process is, uh, uh, I was talking to somebody who wrote uh, a movie for him years back, and the writer, there were a couple of scenes that the writer was just like, these aren't, I need to fix these. And, and Clint's like, he gets the script, and this is what we're shooting. And this guy was begging him, just let me rewrite this scene. And Clint's like, no, we're shooting the script. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, well, so. the flip side is that is you sign up to do these films, and you show up, and they've, cut the car chase because we can't right. afford it. They cut this. It's like, wait, you cut my character. <laughs> what are we supposed to do now? Yeah, that's true. Um, I guess there's flaws inherent in every, in every approach. But um, well, anyway, we, we just wanted to, uh, we're fans. We wanted to have you on. We wanted to talk to you Thank about, you. Uh, you know, what we, what we do here is we don't talk to you about your work. Um, when the hour's over, we go back to caring about your work. But what we care about is the movies that have kind of inspired you along the way. Yeah. And um, yeah, just kind of wanted to run through some of those with you and um, see Absolutely. see what made you tick cinematically, David. Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, I saw a list of like Robert Williams because I guess it's around uh, of, of an occasion uh, that they were listing his movies. Um, that he was in and one that I remembered that had a really like a a really touched me at a young age I was far too young to probably watch it was uh, The World According to Garp 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 Garp? Yes, Garp Sounds like a fish When I get older losing my hair Many years from now. Hey, Garth, you want to play? Yes. Not tonight. I have a headache. Every night you have a headache. <laughs> Will you still be sending me a Valentine's birthday?
bottle of wine. My name is T.S. Garp. What's T.S. stand for? Terribly sexy. I used to be terribly shy, but I changed. If I'd been out till quarter to three, would you lock the door? Now make it easy on yourself. Don't be a baby, Duncan. Say da-da. Will you still need me? Will you still feed me when I'm 64? I hate to use a corny line like this, but haven't I seen you before? You like football? Oh, yeah, I used to watch it quite a bit. Well, you might have seen me. I was a tight end with the Philadelphia Eagles. Send me a postcard, drop me a kid. So, yeah, it really was like I got emotional in it. It was like, you know, I was born on a commune, so there's all these kind of like culty references. So, I don't know. It, there was something about that film that was really like, <laughs> I like broke my heart about the family. And I grew up with a transgender sister, and John Lithgow's character was transgender in it. So, it was really a, uh, that was a, a a sort of film you don't hear much about. That was really no, it's true. It seems to have sort yeah. of fallen off the radar. Yeah, and he's it's one of his best performances, mm-hmm. in my opinion. It's got such an arc. It like goes from the almost like the fifties or sixties into the seventies. Mm. Yeah, it's a great film, and I remember that was that was um, uh, it wasn't it couldn't have been Larry Lithgow's. Uh, first movie was it it, it was kind of the first, first time we noticed it, it. it was a nom i think he got nominated, he got nominated. He did, yeah. yeah yeah and it definitely put him on the map um but uh yeah i remember it was just it was fantastic and it's it's a uh, a filmmaker i love who never gets talked about in the same sense as auteurs but i mean george roy hill who just did so many so many great films that are so wildly different you know the, the butch and sundance and then garp and then uh you know some of those other slap shot uh, oh man, all of those are just wonderful. Bush yeah, and Henry Sundance, one of the greatest. Oh yeah. Wow. But I wonder if the reason. Do you think that I don't know? It hadn't occurred to me. But do you think that like is there sort of sensitivity now, maybe to Larroquette's performance, and that we're not supposed to have Larroquette? Is there something wrong with my why brain? Do you, why do you keep? I have no idea. John why Lithgow do I keep John Larroquette? It's so cruel. It's <laughs> terrible. Um, uh, Lithgow, Lithgow, Lithgow. Uh, I just wonder if there's something in that that maybe we sort of as a culture are going, oh, we're not allowed to enjoy that anymore. I don't, I, I, I don't think so. I, you know, they, it's, first of all, it's not the, it's not, it's not the major role. Yeah. It's a, it's a subplot. Um, and I just think that, uh, you know, movies from that period tend to get lost if they're not, if they don't have big stars. in. There has to be also, there's a really wonderful, uh, comedy special by Jim Jeffries right now where he's talking about comedy and how sort of difficult it is to to do what he does because he's getting in trouble for jokes he told 10 years ago. Right. right. And he said, but the lines move now. So I understand the lines moved and I've changed my humor to fit where the line is now. But you can't get mad at me for where the line was. Right. <laughs> so it's stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's t- I mean, I don't know, are they going to reshoot uh, Mickey Rooney's scene in Breakfast at Tiffany's. You're like, do, is that what you do? Is that how you fix it? I, no, I, I think they they're they're into now having a, a a card at the front that says that this movie is not uh, copacetic to the kind of values that we have now. And they do it movie by movie. And my my view is they should just do a blanket card and put it on every movie made before last year. Right. It <laughs> says yeah. You know, there's some stuff in this movie that isn't exactly who we are now. So get used right. to it. Because I mean, otherwise, part of every movie ever, just exactly. even new it's ones. It's a record of, yeah. of where people were at the we're time evolving. this movie was made. You can't go back yes. and change it. We're right. getting better. We're slowly getting better. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's a great film. It was kind of, I think it was like his first, it was like the first real dramatic role for him too, for Robin Williams. Where yeah. You really started to notice that he could he could seriously act. Yeah, yeah, I love, I love it as a dramatic actor. Yeah, no, and I, he's an insomnia. He's really great in, and uh, you know, even one-hour photo. I mean, Robin was a really good actor, but I, I yeah. think a lot of comedians are funny because they're good actors, because they act their stuff. I mean, even people like Milton Berle and Jonathan Winters and stuff have given dramatic performances that were quite good. You know, yeah. uh, it, it doesn't mean that that's was their main shtick. But it comes out of who they are, and and 
you know, what their talent is. And I, it, there's, it's all, I remember when, when I saw The Long Goodbye and I saw Henry Gibson playing this nasty doctor character. And I thought, well, yeah, I know, I know him from Laugh-In. I know him from Jerry Lewis movies, you know. And look how good he is in this. And, you know, and then, uh, you know, like many people, he, you know, branched out and he would do a dramatic role and he would do a comedy role. And, and I think that's, I, I think that's, that's great. I, I, I love watching comedians yeah. be serious. Yeah, me too. A lot of comedians have such a dark side to them, oh, too. Especially yeah. the professional yeah. comedians. It's like there's so much pain beneath all that stuff. Yeah, that's one of the things I learned early on out here was uh, uh, generally the, the, you have those actors who always play bad guys. Um, and they're always the nicest people you've ever met. And, and you want to hang out with that. By the way, go to the Masters of Horror dinner. It's like there's yeah. a room full of people who get all of their shit out on screen. And are just yeah. the nicest, sweetest people in the world. You go out with a bunch of comedians and you want to commit suicide. I know. <laughs> it's really funny. It is true. That was like Wes Craven. He was just like the most incredible the guy. He's a college yeah. professor. Right. Yeah. I know. A bird watcher. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, oh, God. I think I have, if I've told this story before, I forgive me. I gotta, you probably have because I'm we're, 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 we're moving up on 100 episodes. So I know. It's oh, congratulations. That's amazing. Um, thank you. Uh, you no, know, my, my, um, we were at the, the premiere of A History of Violence. My father and stepmother, my stepmother and English professor were here, and we went to the after party, and it was a great time. You know, it's always good when people like the movie. At the end of the evening, my, my stepmother's like, you know, she, she reads Victorian literature and she teaches English in Chestnut Hill, Pennsylvania. And she comes back. And she's, oh, I had the greatest time. I just spent the evening talking to this lovely man. He's a professor and comes to Philadelphia sometimes. We're going to have dinner and discuss the classics. And, oh, he said, I go, oh, who, who was it? She was, his name's Wes Craven. <laughs> <laughs> the man who made Last House on the and Left. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to send you a DVD of Last House on the Left before you go to dinner with him. <laughs> that is so brilliant. I love that. Yeah, it Wes was, was a huge inspiration to me and just such a mentor. Uh, in film, when I was directing my first film, The Tripper, he uh, was really helpful in suggesting films to watch. And, and when I'd ask him questions about certain things, he was just always there for me. Oh, it's great. No, I, he, was a, he was a really sweet guy. A lovely film. Um, well, what's, what's next on your, on your list there, David? <laughs> Oh, 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 did, uh, is this where I'm supposed to have the list? Okay. So, um, <laughs> or you could just do it off the top of your head. I could do it off the top of my head. What did you see I, yesterday? You know, um, I loved uh, The Wizard of Oz. has always been an inspirational film. I mean, it's pretty, like... Many, many miles east of nowhere lies the amazing land of Oz, a magnificent empire created in the mind of a man who wrote a great book about it. Like wildfire in the wheat field, the fabulous tale of the Wizard of Oz spread from town to city to nation to the entire world. Although the Wizard of Oz has captivated the children of four generations and fired the imaginations of those youthful adults who have never grown old, although 10 million copies of the book have reached eager hands and eager hearts, no one has dared the towering task of giving life and reality to the land of Oz and its people. Every delightful character of L. Frank Baum's classic is now reborn. Every glorious adventure has been recaptured and painted with a rainbow. The celebration in Munchkinland, the flying monkeys, the rescue of Dorothy, the castle of the witch, the palace of Oz, and Dorothy's strange journey to the Emerald City to find the wonderful Wizard of Oz himself. We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful Wizard of Oz. We hear he is the Wizard of Wiz, if ever a Wiz there was. If ever a Wizard of Wiz there was, the Wizard of Oz was No, just because uh, the creativity that went on in that film at that time and the music. I and, it's sort of, and it's sort of a riposte to the auteur theory, you know, because mm. it has all those different directors and, you know, the producers and, the, you know, I mean, it was a constant, they were changing everything all the time. They changed actors. They changed, they changed a lot of stuff in that movie as they were making it. Wow. And, and the funny thing about that movie is that, I don't know, a couple of years ago it came out of a really nice, video presentation that looked great. I, I know they've turned it into 3D also, which is, 
I don't know how I feel about that, but um, <laughs> but I did, but I just remember watching it, and I, and I was it, and I because I had seen it at a kiddie matinee when I was a kid in the fifties, and uh, I just it, it was so moving. I mean, there's just something about the movie that is just so moving, and so uh, it just speaks to your heart. And you know, and it's it's a remake that was done before, and it's been done since, and but it's never been done with quite the same panache as that version. Yeah. I didn't know that it had been done before. Yes, it was a silence. Yeah. Two silence, oh my I gosh. Think. Yeah. Wow. Um, another movie that was on my list was Funny Bones. I'm looking for something, and I don't know what it is. Is this your first time in Blackpool? No, I was born here, lived here till I was six. What would it be, um, 30 years? It's heyday then. Sammy Davis Jr., Bob Hope. And the sun shone every day, right? I feel I should tell you where I am. You don't have to tell us where you are. I want to tell you where I am. Okay, where are you? I'm in Blackpool. I'm coming over. Don't do it, Dad. Please don't do it. I love this town. <laughs> what sort of thing do you want to see? Whatever's funny in Blackpool. And you're prepared to pay actual cash. Bingo. Old routines. Funny routines. Funny people. Jokes? No. No jokes. Jokes? I'm gonna leave to George Fox. I thought he uh, died in Las Vegas. <laughs> I died in Las Vegas. Did I say something funny? Oh, Boy, wow. nobody's mentioned that. That has <laughs> not come up. I, I have a, a Peter Chelson. Yeah, oh a dear friend who was a, a studio exec um, uh, at okay. uh, uh, was one of the who's, who's now an independent producer. Uh, his name's Chip Diggins. I'm going to make him listen to this one. Oh, I, just made I, his I did a picture with Chip. Joe did a picture with Chip. Chip's great. Chip, uh, awesome. When when Chip talks about the movies he did at the studio, uh, that is his favorite. I mean, he just loves that film. It's a lovely film. Yeah, you wanna, I know. It, and it's I love. That, I'm a huge like. Jerry Lewis fan. I just—he was so incredible in that, and Oliver Platt just playing his son. There's the one line where he's on stage. He's like, <laughs> I forgot it, but he's saying something to the effect like, "This will be my last show. <laughs> Good night. Oh, I'm gonna go kill myself." <laughs> I'm so sad. But uh, there's also a moment where the. The vaudevillian actors are clapping for themselves that I always remember. And I, whenever I do a play or whenever I have to have makeup like that, I, I tend to clap. And doesn't that picture have Oliver Reed and an elephant too? Uh, oh yeah, I've, I can't I even remember. I haven't I seen it in a while. Well, nobody's seen it in a while. No, <laughs> yeah, there's that no, floating hand or something. <laughs> like just, such a random film it goes all over the place and i haven't seen it in a while but it always stuck with me yeah no it's delightful and it's got its own kind of vibe to it it's not it's not like 12 other movies you've seen yeah which is nice and um yeah and who would do the uh, the british comedian in that um the, lee evans, um, lee lee evans. evans was brilliant in that. yeah why yeah. Did, and, and and it didn't do anything for him i guess probably because nobody saw it he did like um something about mary or a few a few mm. like comedies after that but uh yeah i think he should be doing more i think he's such a talented guy and i just love the whole vaudeville world i love buster keaton and i love uh charlie chaplin harold lloyd just that whole world is really yeah fun it did i know i got it i haven't watched it again recently but it did just come out on blu-ray in the last six months or so I saw the, Gold Rush recently, which was really good. Uh, I know. It's amazing. It's such an epic. It is such an epic film. That's what I was blown away by. I couldn't believe the scale. I know. It's like, it's like ah, well, the kids see it today. I go, oh, CGI. They yeah. must have had a lot of CGI in the 20s. Yeah. <laughs> it's not all those, all those people going up the Chilkoot Pass, you know, that look like a thousand people that really are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. That believe it or not, I believe I'm pretty. I gotta double check. I think that's the last movie I saw in a theater before the quarantine. Really? <laughs> yeah, they Where'd showed you, it you, that you long that? ago, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I 25 before he was born. Where did uh, you they see it? They showed it. It was, it was a part of this silent film 
uh, thing, and they showed it at the um, the VFW on Highland. Really? It's been converted. Into, I mean, it's an incredible theater now. It's gorgeous. And they had live accompaniment, and Allison Anders came out to introduce the film and talk about it, and it was packed. Um, I how, ran was the, our, how, was the, how was the print? It was beautiful print. Um, mm-hmm. Ran into uh, our friend Ileana Douglas was there, and um, the thing that I really, really loved, and it's the thing that's just, it's the greatest way to see these things, is so many people brought kids. Mm. And it's so hard to show like a 10 year old, the gold rush on video when it's just sort no. of you, you and that 10 year old sitting there. Nope. You've got to you plunk them down in a theater. Well, with a bunch of people around them having fun. Yeah. And that's the only way to see comedies. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it played, it played to me. It was just so fun. It was so fun. And, and I guess they still, this is the power of Chaplin. They had to get some kind of special dispensation uh, to have the live music uh, because he still exerts this control over what can well, be it's the, the Roy Export Company, uh, which which owns all of his stuff, and luckily has you know been preserving it, and yeah. um, and so there's a lot of really good looking stuff left, uh, yeah. and, and the Lloyd pictures and the Keaton pictures. I mean, there are people who work hard, you know, the Kevin Brownlows of the world who you know try to make sure that we can see these things looking as good or better than they did when they were new. That's great. I just went to an event a couple of years ago at the Buster Keaton uh, Studios where they put a plaque on the ground for the studio because they had previously put a plaque, but they put it on the wrong, on the wrong side. Yeah. So they had to put it on the, the right. one on Eleanor Avenue. They, they use that now for, um, I think TCM does a lot of uh, interviews and stuff there. Mm. Oh, cool. That's great. But yeah, I love those. Love those films. Ah. Good stuff. What's next? Now, there was a film that I saw that I can't even remember what it was about. I saw it as a child. I saw it over and over again because I used to, um, as a kid, just on the weekend, I would take a bus to the movie theater. There'd be three movies theaters in one, uh, one big theater. And I'd just buy a ticket and I'd just sort of hop to the different theaters all day long, just sit there and, and watch the films. And, uh, the French lieutenant's wife, or... It has been recognized as a masterpiece of modern literature. It has given the world a woman and a love story so mysterious and unique. Only an actress of the most special talents could portray them on the screen. Meryl Streep in The French Lieutenant's Woman. I knew it was ordained that I should never marry an equal, so... I married Shane. I am the French lieutenant's. Oh. Wait, you saw this as a child? Yeah, I saw it as a child. There must be like crazy stuff in it because I wanted to watch it over and over again. Wow. Is there nudity or something? I, I, I haven't seen it since it came out. I hardly remember it at all. Oh, I hardly remember it too. I remember Meryl Streep was in it. She's beautiful. Let me see what other. Uh, I saw uh, that in Times Square, at a grindhouse where it was a triple feature of like it was it was Q, uh, I think it was Farley Granger's last movie where he plays a murderous. Um, uh, what is the film, Joe? Surely you know. Um, he's a murderous groundskeeper. <laughs> uh, it's an Italian movie. <laughs> and and then for some inexplicable reason, French Lieutenant's Woman, and. Um, uh, I'll just, the French Lieutenant's woman did not play to that crowd. No, imagine that. <laughs> people, people were pissed off. I know, it's a slow film. I remember <laughs> it being really slow. Not a good but, double uh, feature with Q. <laughs> that's maybe not my top 10. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. 
So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. There's a wild style. Do you know this film? documentary but there was also kind of set up moments i don't know it just had a really influential aspect to my life because i was a break dancer then i started doing graffiti and we uh we saw it really early uh in los angeles it was sort of about uh new york in the late 70s oh oh right sorry i'm confusing and it's uh and then we saw it at an art house movie theater in like 82 or 83 or something and uh, just had a really Im- impact on my life. Yeah, right, right. It's the hip hop film, and um, yeah, it's uh, really Grandmaster Flash and, and yes, uh, Fab Five Freddy. Yeah, yeah, yes, Fab Five yes. Freddy had like an acting role in it. Right, so, weird mockumentary where it was a documentary, but they had they had the guys acting certain certain parts, and you could tell there was a little setup. That was fun. Um, where Where did you grow up? I grew up in Los Angeles. Okay. Uh, Boring. <laughs> I know. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> there's, nothing, there's nothing to talk about there. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so I, I love The Shining. Oh, yeah. I don't suppose they uh, told you anything in Denver about the tragedy we had up here during the winter of 1970. I hired a man named Charles Grady is the winter caretaker. From what I've been told, I mean, he seemed like a completely normal individual. But at some point during the winter, he must have suffered some kind of a complete mental breakdown. He ran amok and uh, killed his family for the night. Well, you can rest assured, Mr. Ullman, that's not going to happen with me. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> incredible movie. so wait how so were you i'm trying to do the math here how, how old were you when you saw that i was pretty young yeah i remember feeling closer to the kids age in that the red rum character right then then uh you know had you read the book i hadn't no have you since no i haven't because you know there's a there's a, a huge dichotomy between people who love the movie and people who love the book and right um people who love the book hate the movie no kidding <laughs> He took it as a template to make something yeah. else. And yeah. so they went, well, this is not the movie that we thought it was going to be, you know? Right. Uh, and he took this and he took that and he said, no, I don't want this. I don't want this. I'm going to add this. Um, and it's a, it's a, uh, it's become a classic, but at the time it was, you know, it was, it was, it, it was a success theatrically but it wasn't uh, critically very successful no kidding wow that's- yeah it was not because I, I remember seeing it and just and i was a huge fan of the book and and uh, i don't know i mean even even at a fairly early age i was all right with the fact that the movie is different from the book i still i still stand firmly in both camps i love the book i love the movie um but yeah i can remember it getting sort of bagged on and there was this sense no that kidding. Kubrick had just yeah, because stooped. it was Kubrick was slumming. He was yeah. doing a, a drive-in movie. You know? <laughs> oh, wow. That's um, so bizarre. Yeah, but you know, it was a different world. It scared yeah. the hell out of me. It, it, it worked. Yeah. It still does. You know, it's an incredible film. And Jack Nicholson back then, I mean, it brings me to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Why do you think they might think that? Don't make a bit of sense to me. Do you think there's anything wrong with your mind, really? Not a thing, Doc. Uh, excuse me, miss. Do you think it might be possible to turn that music down so maybe a couple of the boys could talk? Your hand is staining my window. God almighty, she's got you guys coming or going. A little change never hurt, huh? A little variety. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> oh, yeah. That performance and that. I always try to film. imagine it with Kirk Douglas. <laughs> oh, was he supposed to be? Well, in he it? was. He, he, he played it, it on stage. He, he bought oh. it. He played it on stage, and he wanted to do the movie, but it took so long oh. to get the movie made that he was too old. 
Oh, wow. But it, would he have been too old? Like, is there a reason he had to be a certain age? Mm. Just Hollywood too old? I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think Jack is better for it. Yeah. Yeah. Jack yeah. Is- but um, and his son produced it. I think. I think did Michael Douglas wasn't he one of the producers? Oh yeah, as big as Kirk had bought it. Wow, he would have been. Well, he would have been pushing sixty. So I think that's a little late. A little it might be a little bit late. Yes. Although he was, you know. in, he was in great shape. <laughs> <laughs> he, he lived. He'll outlive us. Believe me. I mean, he's he's was he one hundred and two when he died? Yeah, yeah. Sure, yes, it's a sobering thought that a guy who's dead is going to outlive you. Um, <laughs> and, a guy, and a guy who almost died in a helicopter crash. And Did then he? had to recover from that. Yeah. Oh, man. What, a, what um, a life that guy had. Um, but yeah, that's an amazing film. I remember seeing that too. So you were going to a lot of, uh, were, were all these, were you going by yourself to these films? Yeah, I saw a lot of films when I was young by myself. <laughs> and they were not, uh, they were appropriate. Yeah, well, they, yeah. I guess I'd come all the time. I'd usually buy a ticket to the kids' movie. Got it. And then you'd And then just jump around to like fast times that would run high or whatever. I mean, I love that film. But um, another film I have here is Dreamscape. Yes. Ooh, that was another one I saw in that period of time that I really, Fantastic I really film. loved. Fantastic. It was just so great. I mean, yeah. that Christopher Walken in that film does such a, it was like the perfect person to play it like when he shook the hand <laughs> oh, natalie wood's last movie oh, oh wait that's not that's not dreamscape no, that's it? brainstorm that's brainstorm yes brainstorm. dreamscape wait. is dreamscape is dennis quaid oh my gosh well brainstorm is <laughs> no what brainstorm is the douglas trumbull movie that yeah. was supposed to be in show scan he started to shoot it wanted to shoot it in show scan. not the one isn't it, it, was a, the, uh, it was the movie that was released after she died. Were you going to their dream? Well, yeah, you go. Okay, hold on. Yeah, I'm not thinking of Dreamscape. What's the one where they shook hands? Uh, oh, that's, that's, the, that's the dead zone. That's the dead zone. The dead zone. That's, that's, that's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> Alex Gardner has a unique talent. And even he doesn't know what it can do. No one has ever done it before. No one has even conceived of doing it before. You're going into another person's dream. He is about to enter a world that no one has ever seen before. The world of your dreams. Suppose it were possible to transfer from one mind to another the experience of another person. Hey, there it is. Any person. Any experience. I'm telling you, it works. The test, sound, taste. Everything, smell. everything, 100%. In fact, better. Did you have a breakthrough or not? Yes. I'd like a demonstration. Knock my socks off. Johnny. For how long? Five years. The house is burning. Your daughter's in the house. It's not too late. You're the talk of the town. Because I got my head bashed in and I'm still here to talk about it. Because you have the power of second sight. I don't know whether it's true or not. These psychic powers of yours. I'm at my wit's end. John, I could use your help. It has to do with these murders we've been having. Castle Rock Killer. I saw his face. Just thought I'd stop by here on my way to the U.S. Senate. Greg Stilson. He's dangerous. If you could go back in time before Hitler came to power, knowing what you know now, would you kill him? I would kill him. You'd never get away alive. It doesn't matter. I'm not crazy, you know. Those headaches are getting worse, aren't they? As the visions grow stronger and more powerful, so the body weakens. God has seen fit to bless you with this gift. You should use it. Bless me! 
Not only can you see the future, I can change it. That's oh David Cronenberg. So I think David Cronenberg. I'm so embarrassed. I'm sorry. Listen, no, this okay. is okay. Like, you see uh, a lot of movies. Oh, they got all mixed up. Got all oh, the yeah. actors right. All three pretty good films. I would. I would. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dead Zone being my favorite of those. Three. Dead Zone is, uh, yeah. is uh, yes. not only I think David Cronenberg's best movie, but also uh, maybe one of the best movies that Dino De Laurentiis ever produced, because it's it's the book, you know, but it's also better than the book. It is better than the book. He fixed and the ending. the the scenes Jeffrey with Bowman Martin did. Sheen as the president who is going to blow up the world uh, yeah. are so modern. I mean, when you see that movie today, all you can think of is a certain current. Occupant of the White House, who is when this guy says if the if the general doesn't cut off his thumb to let him put it on the button to blow up the thing, you know, it's um, it's pretty terrifying. Yeah, yeah, it's an amazing. And I know it was one of the. Um, uh, if you haven't seen the movie, I'm about to blow the ending, so skip thirty seconds. But the um, one of uh, Jeffrey Bohm who wrote it, one of his great changes in the book. Uh, the Martin Sheen character, when when uh, Christopher Walken tries to kill him, just grabs a kid out of the crowd and holds it up, which is great. It's it's good, but the fact that the child he pulls up is the kid that is the son of of the love of his life that would have been his child if he had not gone into the coma just gives it so much more resonance. Yeah. Such uh, yeah yeah. That's, and then it's it's very Cronenbergian in that it has someone dying and a woman crying over him, which seems to be a trope. <laughs> it, it, it pains me to agree with you on that one, Joe, but I do think it's his best film. Oh, man. Not that History of Violence isn't brilliant yeah, yeah. because now, of the writing. Dreamscape. <laughs> let, let me go back to Dreamscape. Yeah, let's talk about Dreamscape. Because Dreamscape's dreams. great. I do. I, and that is the one with Natalie Wood. It's the, no, no, that's the, the one with Natalie Wood is Brainstorm. That's Brainstorm. Okay. Brainstorm. Because she's the one who's doing the experiment. Okay. Right. That's a great triple feature, though. <laughs> that is a good... And Dreamscape is the one where, was it Dennis Quaid and um, uh, what's the great uh, uh, Michael Pat? Oh, God, the character actor from Pat Warrior. Robert Patrick. No, no. What? Robert Patrick. No, no, no. The, the, the uh, Warriors coming up. And oh, yeah. That. But Warriors is my next. <laughs> oh, well, we'll get to that. But yeah, they, where they, they um, there's this, they're able to send people into your dreams. Yeah. Uh, and if you die in your dreams, you die in life. So they send these assassins in to, you know, give you terrible dreams and kill you. Right. Dennis Quaid has to duke it out with um, um, Joe. It's killing me. We're talking about this great character actor. We're about to talk about him again, and I can't remember his name. Oh. In, uh, he's in. Uh, and he always reminds me of Vincent Gallo. Yes, <laughs> he definitely has. Well, you better um, look him up on your on your phone that everybody knows that you don't really have and that you're certainly <laughs> while you're trying to make eye contact with your 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 guest well and he's sort he, of um, looking down uh, he's also in finger, going on the trigger trying to get who, who am i talking about who am i talking about he's uh david patrick kelly i just remembered well no wonder nobody remembers him <laughs> but he's also the guy that um schwarzenegger drops in commando and he says remember sorry i told you i'd kill you last i lied <laughs> great 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 character great in twin peaks yeah. um but uh, and also great in what the warriors yeah warriors was amazing walter hill i had the amazing opportunity to work with him and he's just such an incredible director he is he is fantastic um he is uh, so what did you like about dreamscape <laughs> <laughs> dreamscape oh my gosh I can, I'm so like, I'm now I'm just confused. About <laughs> well, remember the whole, the whole ending takes place on a train. It doesn't where Eddie Albert is the president. Right. And, and they're going to kill they're him. Trying to kill him in his dreams. Oh, wow. And then Leonardo DiCaprio jumps in. <laughs> That's the other one. That's, uh... Oh, yeah. And maybe, maybe you ought to pull out the DVD on that one. <laughs> I have to look, I have to watch some of these films. I was just bringing up films that just stuck with me all those years. Yeah, no, for sure. There's um, one that's a TV movie, Somewhere in Time. Come back to me. Richard Collier is about to begin an incredible journey into another realm, another lifetime 
in search of the love he could never find in this one. That's Elise McKenna. Starred in a play in the hotel theater. When was this play done? 1912. Dr. Finney, is time travel possible? That is a question. Arthur? Arthur? You're the only one who can help me. Universal Pictures is proud to present Christopher Reeve, Jane Seymour, Christopher Plummer, Somewhere in Time. Someday, in the past, he will find her. Oh, that wasn't a TV movie. It wasn't? That's a, it's a real movie. <laughs> it was a real movie. Yeah. TV movies are real movies. Oh, okay. No, no, they are. But this one happened to be a theatrical one. It was, uh, you know, Christopher Reeve. That one really, I just, it's like such a romantic. I saw that, I think, in the same time period. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. just always like, oh. No, it, it's, it is super romantic. It is. It is. And, and I, I love a good time travel thing, too. That's <laughs> yeah. Always fun. But I, I'm still, I'm, I'm trying to, so you were a really little kid when you were going to, like, The Warriors. Yeah. Now, what, so what were they were like your, dropping you off or what? Did, yeah, did your parents did know this was happening? I used did they pay any attention to what you were watching? No, my parents really didn't pay much attention to what we were watching or anything. We, I watched things that I shouldn't have at early ages. But this was even before VHS, which is the way that most kids got to see stuff they were not allowed to see in the theater because their, right. their friend Billy has the VHS and you go over to his house and you can watch yeah. it and it's got Nancy Allen naked and you know all that stuff. But but you were going to actual theaters. Theaters, drive-ins, yeah. Wait, you as can't a child drive -in by on yourself? your own. You gotta get driven. No, no, no. I would be <laughs> driven. But my parents didn't have a very good filter with like what's appropriate. Right. No, I'm just fascinated because my dad took me to all kinds of ridiculously inappropriate films as a kid, but that that I had that person there but the idea of sort of sneaking out and seeing all this stuff uh, on your own i'm, I'm actually I'm, I'm deeply impressed uh, i had no choice in the matter but you were you were sort of selecting this stuff and it's well I, you didn't have really a choice you'd get you'd get the ticket to the kids show and then you'd have two more grown-up right there's just whatever was there whatever there i saw a thing during that time period too wow i love that film that yeah. was now, were you, only went to the Warriors, were you? These are the armies of the night. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? The Furies. The Boppers. The Hi-Hats. The Lizzies. The Turnbull ACs. The Gramercy Riffs. Riffs! Yeah! And these are the Warriors. We know about the Warriors. They're a heavy outfit. They're from Coney Island. Warriors? You guys are the big dudes, huh? Now, they're in the Bronx. We're going back. 27 miles behind enemy lines. It's the only choice we got. Between them and safety, Stand 20,000 cops and 100,000 sworn enemies. I want them all. I want all the warriors. They've got one way out. 
chance. They've got one night. The Warriors. Were you, you saw in the theater, were you aware of the kind of what was going on at the time with all the, you know, everyone was terrified that there were going to be shootings and gang warfare in every theater it showed at. And, uh, Oh, wow, really? No. Yeah, and I had actually reduced the number of theaters that the picture could play at. Wow. Yeah. That was, yeah, I just, <laughs> just such a cool film. I just was like blown away with the, the different gangs and, the, yes. you know, the makeup kind of kiss like gang with the baseball bats. And I don't know, the whole, oh, it's, it reminded me of a lot of, um, Escape from New York, mm-hmm. you know, just that feeling. <laughs> mm-hmm. Get from here to there, and then that's what the whole movie is. I love those films. Yeah, it's wild too because I remember as a kid seeing it. It just it had this like gritty sense of reality, a little bit heightened because yeah, you got these gangs with uniforms, and you look at it now, and it's like, yeah, he was going for a comic book look. It it, it bears minimal resemblance to reality, and yet somehow it felt so gritty and real at the time. Now it looks uh, like Kabuki. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, I love that film. No, Walter's a friend, and we've been trying to convince him to come on the show forever. And I think oh, I, wow. he, he keeps saying, Josh, he keeps Josh works he on will. Walter every time he sees him. Yeah. <laughs> and so far, it hasn't uh, panned out. But, uh, but Walter's said, well, yeah, you know, check with me a little later. You know, busy I'm writing, you know. Yeah, no one wants to do anything. I think he doesn't think anyone's interested in, in what he'd have to say. You're like, you're oh, fucking wow. Walter Hill, for God's sake. Oh, wow. Yeah, he shouldn't think like that at all. Yeah. Plus that amazing voice. Good Lord. Yeah. But uh, cool. What's what's next? Uh, I think I went through a bunch of them, but being there? I'm Chance, the gardener. The gardener? Yes. Since I was a child, I worked in this garden. Then you really are a gardener oh yes may i ask your name <coughs> chancy gardener mr chancy gardener are you related to basil and perdita gardener no i'm not related to basil and perdita gobbledygook you know chancy there's something about you you don't play games with words to protect yourself. Had no brains at all. The stuff with rice pudding between the ears. On television, Mr. President, you look much smaller. Dumb as a jackass. As long as the roots are not severed, all is well. And all will be well in the garden. In the garden. Hmm. Hmm. Oh. Yeah, I Some love it. Yeah. Oh man, the little glimpse you get at New York at that time period at the beginning of that film just is so cool. And then yeah. just the comedy, the Peter Sellers performance in that, and the ending. I just love that film. What, no, it's, what, a, it's a it's a terrific film, and and it's got. You know, I remember reading the book before the movie came out, and I was thinking, and it's a very thin book. And I thought, and I had heard they were going to make a movie, and I thought, gosh, this is such a thin story. I mean, how are they going to stretch this out to a feature film? And um, it's really remarkable uh, that the, the, they added characters, they added, you know, the incidents. That, um, but there, there's one of the great moments in film is when. Peter Sellers, who has been, you know, uh, confined basically to a house where he watches television with remote control, goes out in the street and runs into a bunch of street toughs who give him some shit. And he picks up the remote and he clicks it as if he could turn the channel off. And it's just, it's just, it's cinematic heaven, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's another um, uh, second film where a great, Great comic actor gives a great straight performance. And I guess it's a satire, but his performance is just deadpan. It's so straight and um, so contained for a guy whose energy was usually 
going out. Well, and for a guy who was, you know, as, as everybody has attested, was, you know, not all there um, yeah, and was extremely difficult to work with. And, um, and he's so um, contained. And and the all the all the moments of his character are so well observed. observed. I mean, it's 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 it may be his greatest performance. And um, and you know, soon after that, he was gone. But you know, unfortunately, you never you never get to leave after your great performance. You have to always do the the Fu Manchu movie afterward. And. <laughs> But I love how the, the sort of culture as a whole, we all sort of decided that that didn't happen. That, uh, yeah, no. He went out on being there. That's true. We don't talk like about Car- Like Karloff went out on targets. You know, it's like he just, just picked the best picture they made before they died and say that's what was their last picture. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember it was a J.T. Walsh, uh, sadly. Um, uh, ever, sort of, he did Pleasantville was his last big movie. And. Um, you know, which was a great send-off for a great actor. The, the tragic, horrible truth is the last thing he did was a terrible, terrible straight-to-video movie I wrote. Um, <laughs> <back in. laughs> and I'm, I'm happy to have everybody think it was pleasant, Phil. <laughs> uh, but he was great. Um, well, cool, man, David. Uh, thank you. That was uh, that, that was fun. I love I love thank how you. it was just it was it was so um, it, it was spontaneous, organic. It's like I. It, One uh, would say orgasmic. <laughs> <laughs> well, did, uh, glad it could entertain you. Did we did we plug his latest project? Yes, at the beginning. Um, okay. uh, and uh, um, yeah, I, I always you. like to circle back because sometimes people don't remember why. Free. It's a really wild film. There's this director Eugene Kotrilenko that uh, is just gonna blow your mind. He he did a really f- incredible film that called Wobble Palace. That's really funny. He's just got such, he's he's an incredible writer, uh, incredible director. And he did this film Spree. It's all shot on cell phones and uh, and GoPros. It's all, you know, a kid who's obsessed with social media and becoming a social media influencer uh, gets a horrible idea on how to get followers. And it goes down a really dark path. That sounds great. Was that done during COVID or pre-COVID? It was pre-COVID. We were in Sundance last year, so it was sort of the summer before that. Um, so, it's, so it's part of the avalanche of movies that we're going to be seeing in place of the movies that we're not going to be seeing because they weren't made during the second half of this year. That's <laughs> right. I have several coming out. For some reason, like all of the movies I did were all just kind of like bunched up. So I'll have... Uh, well, that's good. There'll be less competition. Yeah, <laughs> get them so. into drive-ins. That's where the money is, right? Oh, uh, yeah. I'm telling you. We actually we had um, uh, Joe Bob Briggs was on the week. Was it the first? Was it the week that the entire U.S. box office was just one drive-in theater in Florida? Yeah, and oh, wow. he was so happy. It was you know, <laughs> he is the John the Baptist of that particular religion, and it was just like finally, finally, it took <laughs> a pandemic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It did. I think they're back, though. Yeah, so oh, they're definitely fun. back, and 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 they're not they're not just back, but they're 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 they've been they've proliferated because there are, you know, um, Walmart uh, parking lots that have now been turned into yeah. because you know in the old days you had to lug out a thirty five projector, and now all you have to right. do is put up a video projector and a big, uh, you know, a, a blow up screen and some good sound, and you've got a, a drive in theater. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's fantastic. I, I hope that um, uh, there's a lot of things I'm looking forward to going away. Um, having a lovely time here, but I'm looking forward to not Zooming anymore. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> on the other hand, we have, but, actually, we have actually got a lot of really interesting people on our podcast that we would never true. have we been never able come to come to Burbank yes. <laughs> to the studio. And then there's also the thing, my God, it just suddenly hit me. I'm looking at the ocean right now over yeah. my shoulder. So it's, uh, it's much nicer than our studio. But, but I'm hoping the drive-ins stick around after this. It would be, it would be fantastic if, if this, you know, led to a resurgence of them in the normal world. Absolutely. Uh, that's, a, that's a grand experience. Maybe not the best for your, you know, big IMAX movies with incredible sound, but it's still a great way to see a film. Now, I can see Tenet opening at the drive-in, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there. Yeah. 
Yes. Uh, David, well, thanks. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure. And finally, it's just a thrill to be able to tell you finally thank you for dinner that night. <laughs> thank um, you. <laughs> We're still digesting. Love to take it up the check. <laughs> thank you, guys. Our show was recorded from several well-stocked bunkers. We can't wait to get back to beautiful downtown Burbank. We're the official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the Movies That Made Me. Stay safe out there, folks. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.